Welcome to Business Matters with host Rob Capello, a podcast where we open the conversation on what matters for business. We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First Credit Union, a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen, and Thompson. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products, and services local businesses need to grow and thrive. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Business Matters, presented by Valley First, the division of First Quest Credit Union. My name is Rob Capella. I'm the VP of Business Development for Now Media Group. Uh, before we start, I'd just like to give a shout out to our sponsor. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Valley First, they're a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Sanakameen, and Thompson Valleys. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families, and they also have a robust business and commercial team with the expertise, products, and services needed to help local businesses grow and thrive. For more information, please visit valleyfirst.com business, and thanks uh, to Valley First for sponsoring. Um, the one thing I was kind of, when I was doing my research sort of our, on our discussion today is that we've seen a lot of activities have dropped during COVID-19, but the one that appears on the rise is, drink, <laughs> is drinking alcohol. And, and I happened to pull a, a research analysis that was done by University of Victoria. And I think they used BC liquor distribution, distribution branch data that they saw an increase of 40% jump in sales um, when the COVID-19 put in place measures were, were activated and a real big jump in private liquor store sales as well, obviously, which probably offset maybe things you saw in the restaurant. So, so interesting today. So today we welcome Jason James and Omar Rashwan to Business Matters. Um, welcome guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, Jason and, and uh, Omar are founders of Continuum Beverage Company. So um, we're gonna learn today about your guys' journey, about your business and, and, and have a conversation about uh, um, how you guys got to where you are today. So, so let's get started. Um, before we jump into a lot of people are probably wondering what Continuum Beverage does. So can you tell us a little bit about what you guys do and, and how you guys work with your clients? Sure. Yeah, Rob, thanks for, uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, Continuum um, is an agency, the beverage alcohol agency, that is looking after um, any number of BC brands based out of the Okanagan, out of Vancouver, out of the islands. So we basically are ambassadors for the brand out in trade. So whether or not it's liquor stores or restaurants or government stores, you know, we're the, we're the brand ambassadors and, and we're sort of there to sort of, you know, spread the good word about some of these brands, whether or not it's a winery, distillery, brewery, whatever it may be. So yeah, we're the ambassadors out in the, in the streets. Do, do you guys get involved? So you're helping, you're helping these brands get into liquor stores and restaurants. So for, do you get involved at all in sort of the, there's a big growth in e-commerce now. Do you, do you consult or help businesses with your brands do that as well? Like making sure that they're e-commerce ready on their sites as well? You know what, that, that's more, um, you know, where they, uh, they have the area of expertise. What we do is we, we're more the sales execution arm to add to what Jason said. So, you know, they're the, uh, they're the experts in, in their brand, building their brand, seeing their vision come to life. And then where we step in is, you know, once they get outside of their tasting room or tap room, um, that's where we, we provide the expertise getting it onto the, the shelves of, uh, of liquor stores or onto into restaurants and, and hospitality accounts. So they handle that. We take we take over the rest. The other side. So how did you guys get into the industry? So what, like, and what drove you to start your business? So what's a little bit of the backstory there? I guess for, for my situation, Rob, I was working for the actual, <laughs> for school district number 23. 
<laughs> Sorry, Rob. Yeah, I was I worked for a school district number 23 and uh, you know, had summers off and I saw a posting one summer for a position at Mission Hill Family State Winery and uh, took the leap and thought I'd do this for the summer and go back to school in, in September. And I, within about three weeks, caught the bug and uh, sort of never looked back. I left my position with the school district and stayed in the wine industry almost ever since other than a brief stint outside the industry. But it was a true passion. It was just something I was just, you know, I couldn't get enough of. So that's where, that's where sort of my career started. And why, what got you into starting your own business? Well, you know, we, um, so, you know, dating ourselves a little bit, you know, 20 <laughs> plus years in the industry each, but we'll, we'll be transparent on that. Um, you know, worked for big companies, you know, learned a lot through, uh, you know, through those companies handling, you know, global brands, national brands. And then, you know, both kind of, you know, our careers, you know, started at the same time. Um, Jason went one way with, with, uh, within the industry. I went another way within the industry and, and we, we reconnected and always stayed in touch. We reconnected about two years ago and thought, you know, we've got all this knowledge. Um, there's lots of great brands in BC and great producers that just need the, need the help to get onto the shelf. I would say to put it bluntly. And that's where we, we break it down and, and we help them, you know, with everything from, you know, consulting to costs to everything, you know, helping them get a feet on the street, essentially our company, and then uh, executing to, to get the brands onto the shelf. So we saw that as a really great opportunity to tell their, help them tell their stories. They're focused on their wall, what's in, going on within their four walls. And then we take it from there. So how, how, how long have you guys been running continue? How long has the business been in? Continuum is just about coming up on two years, Rob. We started officially March 2019. I had um, left sort of working for a larger agency, as, as Omar mentioned, and started my own private company, private agency, and then got to the point where it was either kind of go big or maybe think about something else. And then Omar and I reconnected, and he was, you know, sort of the catalyst to help take, you know, Continuum to the next level. So, you know, we've been working on our own for some time, but Continuum as an official company was March 2019. And, and is it a... What, the vertical you guys are in is it a competitive space not on the brand side because i get 100 percent it's competitive but what you guys do is there a lot of people in them that are doing what you guys do well there are there are there always has been you know that the agency model has always been there there's there's large national uh, companies that operate nationally that can handle you know brands from coast to coast um, there's people who do it as small as independently you know they'll take a region of a province and you know they'll they'll do it on their own Right. And then where we come in is, you know, we, we decided, you know, the opportunity was to kind of scale up a little bit and take on, on these brands provincially and actually even into Alberta, um, which is where we operate as well. Um, so there are a lot, it is competitive, but there's actually a lot of producers out there. So it, it's, there's a lot up for grabs. I would say if you find the right fit for, for your company. Right. Yeah, Rob, if I can add on to that, you know, we've always pride ourselves on, on working with local suppliers. And I think COVID has really, really sort of hammered that point home. You know, people are really sort of staying local, buying local. So we really feel like we've created a nice little niche market for ourselves here. And, uh, you know, we're sort of taking the good word from all these independent suppliers and kind of getting out there and spreading the word. So, you know, buy local has always been something that we both believed in wholeheartedly. And uh, I think COVID has just reinforced that. So when you guys are looking to add brands to your portfolio? Like how, how do you go about doing that? Is that, or, or is a lot of it inbound? Do they come to you? Do you go to them? And do you look for, like you've mentioned sort of like local brands, like are the specific ones you look to really work with where you found yourself or you guys have found a real niche in? 
Go ahead, Omer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, great question. Obviously, you know, the portfolio is is built to, to have some balance between, um, you know, types of product, first and foremost, you know, wine, beer, spirits, you know, maybe ready to drink uh, products. We look for products that, and, and we look for great people to work with first. So that, that's actually a fundamentally a, a great, a great uh, checkbox for us. You know, Jay and I started this first thing we said is we're not going to work with bad people ever again. Uh, <laughs> we often we use more, a different term, but we have a more colorful word for that. So we'll just leave it at that today. But, um, you know, that that starts with that, you know, or we find uh, producers that are committed to quality, committed to growth. But usually is this the first, you know, few things in, in the conversation. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, we we look to, you know, we're based in Kelowna deliberately. We've both, you know, built our roots here in Kelowna, you know, professionally. Uh, we had our opportunities to move and, you know, we'd like to say we were wise not to, but this is where we are and this is where we want to keep our, our business and our agency. Um, but we can build it out from here. So there's, there's great producers here in the Okanagan that we work with, but really BC is our story too. So, you know, we work with great producers from the lower mainland and uh, from the island and actually even in Alberta now. So whether we're taking the Kelowna story outward or bringing it into BC, everything's relevant. Interesting. And you mentioned sort of balancing your portfolio. And I noticed that on your site because there's like wine, beer, spirits, non-alcoholic, like that's intentional, I assume. So you can have different SKUs that you're offering sort of your the retailers and the restaurants and so forth. Yeah, Rob, we, we wanted to have that breadth of portfolio, you know, I mean, some companies specialize just in BC wine, you know, or say if it's just beer, we wanted to kind of be able to offer a bit of everything. So, you know, we're very selective as to who we work with, you know, just to kind of go back to what you were mentioning before, if, if a producer is making 10 cases a year, you know, and he's got the desire and the passion for it, it's somebody we want to talk to, you know, if somebody wants to grow and they've got a passion for it, then those are the people we want to work with. But, uh, you know, we definitely wanted to, you know, not just be one dimensional with just wine, for example, we wanted to be able to offer a bit of everything. We also enjoy, you know, we enjoy bourbon, we enjoy things like wine, we enjoy, you know, local beer. So why not be able to sell that? Yeah. Um, can you guys speak a little bit about as you guys are owners, I get it, you know, being an owner, you wear many hats, but what is your guys' sort of day-to-day -day role when it comes to your company and do you have a team is there, is there people behind you is there staff as well yeah there is we have a we have a sales team obviously because that's uh you know fundamentally what we do is we we have to sell yeah. uh, so we have uh sales in all the key regions from you know based in Kelowna to Vancouver to Victoria to the northern part of BC to the Kootenays and uh uh, Calgary as well. So that's all structured so that we can uh, have the right coverage yeah. for, for the brands. Day to day, we're small. I mean, you know, it's Jason and I. And uh, so we do everything from strategy to putting in an order to making a sell sheet to, to you know, making sure everything is is there for, for our sales team to execute. So we're involved in everything, but day to day, we have to just carve out, you know, you do this and you do that. <laughs> no, for sure. As a business owner, a small business owner, that's what you do as well. So you mentioned sort of being in the industry for, you know, uh, 20 plus years. You guys don't look it, but you guys have been in the industry for that. <laughs> oh, thanks, Rob. Uh, Appreciate that. Oh, thanks, Rob. <laughs> you guys have obviously been through downturns, maybe not pandemics like we are, but downturns for sure. And the markets reacted obviously differently each time. So how is what we've been through in 2020, we're going through now, how do you compare that to 
past downturns or how that's affected your guys' business or potentially even the brands or the producers that you're working with? Well, I think there's really never been sort of, you know, we always joke back and forth. There's never any playbook to, to kind of deal with this. You know, we've made some audible decisions on the spur of the moment. You know, I remember sort of the day that COVID kind of really, you know, hit our industry and we had a meetings in the morning, we sent our salespeople out and within about an hour, we kind of looked at each other and thought, this doesn't feel right. So all of a sudden now all of our salespeople are working remotely. So we had to kind of make some of these decisions on, you know, on the uh, sort of spur of the moment. The other thing too we've learned too is we can't sort of go back and put our eggs in one basket in terms of relying on the hospitality industry. So right now, as you can see with your numbers you were mentioning before, retail is very strong. Hospitality is still kind of working its way along and it'll rebound in this coming year. But, you know, we want to have some diversity in terms of our brands and also in terms of the channels that we sell in. So we've never, I've never in all the years of working in this industry, Rob, never seen anything like this. So, you know, we've navigated it quite well. We've managed to grow our business even during these difficult times. And uh, we're just really optimistic about 2021. You see a lot of new producers coming online because if they see, because of the spike in sales, like do you see more and more new ones coming online? I think there always was, you know, pre COVID anyways. So some people were already, you know, 50% of the way upstream. Uh, what surprised me was, yeah, you know, just the willingness, I think, to, I think, continue to, to do business. Um, you know, it's uh, just to kind of back up to your original question. It's, it is a very, uh, res it's, it's a resilient industry. Yeah. You know, it, it seems I've seen beer strikes. I've seen other things. Nobody's seen anything like this before. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it does show, you know, where, where people are at in terms of their, their consumption. Now the mix is always changing, you know, we're seeing, you know, upticks in certain products. We're seeing, you know, non-alc beer take a, take a grip. Now we're seeing wine move in a certain direction. Everybody's kind of consuming everything, but yeah, it's, it's all over the map, which is great, which is actually part of the fun. And it's interesting because I was wondering with people working from home, it's a total side note, but if people working from home and you have, I wonder if it's increased alcohol consumption as well, you have that really bad Zoom meeting and you go grab <laughs> that you wouldn't do when you're in the office so maybe i don't know but. it's it's too easy yeah <laughs> uh, so how in, you guys have mentioned sort of your you know you sounds like you're you guys are sort of the the sales team for hire for lack of a better word and and but how involved do you get like because i see you know um you know behind you you have, you have a graphic behind you if it's a banner so forth how involved are you with sort of brand or in-store promotions and helping guide that part of it like i get i understand that you know the, the the you know the the brand belongs to the producer i get that part but how much influence do you guys have with someone that's starting out then maybe you, do you give recommendations and say here's what we should be doing or here's maybe a color palette that would work better do, do, you, do you guys get that involved just bringing your experience from the industry into it absolutely rob yeah it all depends on the supplier too you know we've got some suppliers which have been added for 15 20 years which are well down the road depends on the size they've got you know say marketing teams they've got sales coordinators but you know a lot of the producers we work with are mom and pop organizations that you know this is their sort of retirement plan so you know we look we like to think of ourselves as the eyes and ears and and we sort of bring the feedback to them and you know we always are in constant contact with our suppliers and, and providing some input and insight you know whether or not it's competitor activity or trends that we're seeing you know you know, lately we've sort of seen a real big spike in non-alcoholic segments. So, you know, we're, we're kind of just, we like to kind of be involved in our, with, with each of the suppliers because to us, it's a partnership. You know, they're the ones producing, we're the ones selling, you know, we stay in constant communication and it's just an ongoing dialogue that we have with them. So there's definitely some suppliers we work with, which are very heavily involved in even in terms of the color of the, you know, the font color or the, the, the styling, you know, things like that in new packaging that's coming out this year. So. Interesting. 
Interesting. Yeah. And from what's the benefit then of, and I don't know if this is even a, the case industry, I guess maybe I'll take a step back is, do suppliers or producers hire their own in-house sales team as well? Is that a model? And if it is, what's the benefit of working with you guys over, hey, Rob's gonna just hire a couple of people to go and do this for me? Right. Yeah, I think, I think it's, some do um, and, and some don't, you know, to, is the short answer. And the reason some, some do is, you know, obviously, you know, when you have your own team, you, you've got, you know, builds into the culture, usually the sales culture, uh, you're, you're more, you're a little more in control of the, the, um, uh, you know, I would say the, the effort sometimes or that the, the brand gets and the, and the, uh, the profile. That being said, you know, when we take on brands, what we do is um, there's a, there's a cost, obviously, uh, to putting, you know, salespeople on the street, you know, there's everything from Absolutely. Um, you know, vehicle to, you know, to everything. Right. So travel. Yeah. If you can't, if you run into that position where you can't um, afford it necessarily, then what we do is, you know, we just, pro we provide that. So we provide all the raw costs, all the operating costs basically to run a territory. Right. Um, but it, but it's about having the knowledge too. So it's not just, just about, Hey, here's just the costs covered. And, you know, we'll talk to you every month. It's actually, back to your original question, it's about, you know, being that consultant for them too, and not only executing, but giving them the insight into what's going on into the market, because they don't always have the time. They're, they're small operators too, and they're just trying to get great product out the door, and that in itself is a whole uh, exercise. And, and I would assume, I mean, you're bringing that, you know, years of experience, combined experience, and, and contacts, and I mean, and it's invaluable for a small producer, especially, right? That would be invaluable for them to go try to build those relationships from scratch would probably be pretty hard when, when you guys have been in the industry, right? So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we've leveraged those relationships over the years, Robin. You know, we've got some suppliers who, you know, who have spent up until now selling out of their tasting room. And now all of a sudden within two months, they've got, you know, a hundred points of distribution in the province and now everybody kind of gets to see it. So that's where we, uh, that's where we come in. How is the, and, and this is maybe a broad question, but I'm curious how, you know, the industry's evolved. Like what have you guys seen some highlights over the last, you know, 15, 20 years and, and what are some of the trends you're seeing? Like what's, you mentioned sort of non-alcoholic and you mentioned packaging, you meant like, what are some of the unique trends we're seeing that are going to be, you know, that you think are going to be sort of hitting the market either 2021 or 2022 and beyond? I think the, I think the big thing ahead of us in 2021 and, and 2022, and I mean, just even back up a bit, you know, the last few years has seen a big shift from, you know, glass to cans, for example, in, uh, in the beer category and that's changed the way people consume you know beer over the last you know 10 years i've seen now um you know men are consuming products that 10 15 years ago they might not have picked up and women are consuming products that 10 or 15 years ago they might not have picked up because it wasn't it just wasn't marketed well you know but i mean it's everything is relevant you know and it's all about quality um you know i think uh, there's there's just so many um, interesting things ahead of us in the next year. There's a lot of people who now, you know, drink because it ties to their consume because it's ties to their lifestyle, right. low, you know, low carb, low cal products, you know, that's been on, you know, out there for the last, you know, 18 months doesn't seem to be going away. Um, you know, whether it's uh, vodka sodas or, or non-alcoholic beer or, or whatever. Right. So there's, there's lots of, lots of different segments now in the industry within all the, the bigger segments. 
to further to that too, Rob, I think people are looking more for convenience too, which is, you know, part of where the vodka soda category sort of got its, you know, start. People are looking for, you know, pre-mixed cocktails, old fashioned in a can. Um, you know, that, that seems to be the trend. People, you know, are doing that with their food delivery. They get food at home and they basically assemble their meal. Same thing with this industry, you know, the, the trend towards pre-mixed cocktails in cans is growing segment and uh, it doesn't look like it's any stopping anytime soon. And do you guys ever see, have you ever had where you've seen an opportunity and you've gone to a producer with an idea? Have you flipped it a little bit? <laughs> like a market we market? have and yeah. 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 Yeah, we have and 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 we're you know, it's there's lots of things going through our heads, you know, at any given time. <laughs> yeah. Have been for years. I mean, this was part of you know starting continuum, right? You know, there's yeah. there's lots of ideas and gotta do it right. You know, yeah. you actually have to take the time to to bring something to life. That's one thing we've both learned. You can't just, you don't want to wait too long on a good idea, you know, but you, you, you got to do it right. And, and then you, you got to be able to find a way to make it too. So that's, that's part of the challenge. Interesting. Interesting. Um, there's been obviously, you know, traditionally you're going into, you know, brands are going into liquor stores. Um, and then, you know, the last few years, private liquor stores, grocery store sales, uh, deliveries, you can get, alcohol delivered right to your house so how has that changed the way you guys are working with brands like does that is that really change sort of how who you're going to work with like who and i'm not sure how, there's your brands that you call your sorry your producers and i'm not sure what you call like the other side the retail side like i'm not sure what they're called if they're clients or how you guys refer to them but how has that changed the way you guys work with that side of it I think part of that is is social media. I think we've really tried to do a job of a really good job of trying to get the word out there, whether or not it's through an Instagram post or or what other means necessary. So, you know, for us, we realize that a lot of the new demographic, a lot of things we're selling, you know, are catering to a younger demographic. So we've got to be cognizant of that and and sort of get the message to them. Wine still is fairly traditional. So, you know, though that consumer still buys a certain way and still gets their information a certain way. But as we dive further into that sort of RTD ready to drink category, it's a different segment and we've got to get the message to them, you know, more directly. So, you know, I think it's trying to find, you know, social media people to kind of, you know, consult with us and, and you know, try and get effective messaging going out on a regular basis. So I'm not sure if that answers the question, but we just really kind of tried to really adapt to the changing times. You know, the way Omar and I kind of started in the industry years and years ago is very different than how we go to trade now. So <laughs> yeah. and that's where I say I would assume that, you know, like I can pick up my phone or go online and order and have something delivered to yeah. whatever. Literally a rum and coke shows up at my office. Like you can go that it just I think it's just crazy how it's changed for you guys over the years as well. And, and who knows, like you said, we don't know what the future is going to hold, but but it's it's and that's where I think there, there's real value from a producer point of view because things have changed so fast you can't keep up going back to what Omar said. That's why, you know, working with you and expertise, and that, this is your, this is your life. You live through this, that you can bring that expertise back to the producer, right? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have you guys seen, uh, in, on the producer or the brand side, have you seen any consolidations or merges in the industry or are the big brands buying a lot of the smaller ones? Are you seeing a lot of that happening? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's, it's happened, uh, you know, I look at craft beer, you know, that's been happening now for a few years, especially in the U.S., but not not as much in Canada. But it's it, it's it's happening. And, and I think, you know, there's you know, there's challenges for some of the macro brands out there that, you know, they um, they might not have the growth that they used to have. Um, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, what 
all the great craft distilleries are doing and, and, you know, craft breweries and, and wineries, you know, to the, to the macro brands over the years, I call it death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. Like it's really, you know, it's just, everything's just been nipping at them for the last 10 or 12 years. So yeah, there, there's, there's consolidation out there, but that's, that's actually a really good point. You know, it's really great working with independent producers, you know, that's the ones that have really stuck it out and gone through their ups and downs and are still committed to growth after all that. So, you know, I always wonder, you know, there's so many choices. Like you walk into, we'll specifically talk about, you know, you're walking into a liquor store, private or government, or maybe there's thousands of wines and hundreds of microbreweries. And there's, how do you, how do you, how do people get shelf space? I always wonder about that. Like where, where, what, what level of bottle of wine goes? And is that, and how do the smaller brands compete with the bigger brands in that? Is that a role that you guys play? Are you guys like that, to that level where you're working on shelf space and where things are going and eye level at the end of it? Like, is that all part of the equation? Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of that comes down to relationships. You know, it's a matter of, you know, you know, to take it to the sort of elementary level, you know, you take something into a store and you, you sample the store manager or the staff and you get their buy-in to get them excited about it. You know, and that's the person that's going to walk you over to that section when you're looking for that special bottle of wine who's going to recommend it to you. So we really try and get in, you know, in front of the decision makers as much as we can, get the staff enthusiastic about it, try and figure out creative ways to get their buy-in. Because inevitably, they're the ones going to be recommending a wine, a beer, a spirit to a customer coming in, not really sure. You know, there's also a lot of the trend too. And, you know, recently you've sort of seen a little bit of a pushback on some of the big producers out there. You know, people are sort of tired of seeing the big brands day in, day out. And a lot of the stores here, especially in the Okanagan, are wanting to give more, you know, opportunities to some of the smaller producers where we think that's that's a great fit. You know, uh, people coming all the way from the East Coast to BC don't necessarily want to buy a bottle of wine that they can buy back in Toronto or Ottawa or somewhere else on the East Coast. They want to find something a bit unique that they can take back. So there's definitely opportunities out there. I was going to say, I think further to that too, Rob, um, you know, that a lot of it is just really, you know, shelf space is warranted by, by sales, obviously you're as retailers, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's rule number one. Yeah. Um, we, we work with lots of great partners out there that have interest in, in hearing about these products and putting them on their shelves because the consumer is interested in it too. So, I mean, it's, it's a really good push pull right now. You know, 10 years ago, you really had to stand up and say, you know, hey, look at me, we're making great, great product here. And, you know, you might have got, you know, a, a few looks, but now it's really working in tandem. You know, the, the, the idea of pushing it onto the shelf is, isn't that hard. It's about introducing it the right way to Jason's point, you know, and working with the right buyers and, and decision makers. But the pull is there because people are actually coming in looking for this stuff more often than not. And, and that's actually really, really important. Educated, social media you know, and open-minded too. And I would assume that same for hospitality, if I'm walking into a restaurant and, you know, I, I don't know what I want, but I want a red wine. You're working, you're doing the same thing with the hospitality is making sure they're educated and know the brands and, you know, hopefully they're promoting your guys' brand if you're doing the right thing. So interesting. So how do they, like, are you finding... Uh, where some of the, I guess I'll call them smaller brand, brands, where they're competing best? Like, is there, is there the successful ones? Like, what space are they playing in? Like, where, where are you seeing success best for the, the, some of the smaller, more boutique brands? 
I guess you're looking at some of those sort of higher end, you know, places that might have a SOM that's working there that is familiar with the brand. There's also the local aspect, you know, if we're working with a brand from the Naramata bench, it's going to have definite appeal in the right. South Okanagan. You know, we work a little bit harder as we kind of branch out and we head further North, we head to, you know, Vancouver, Vancouver Island, you know, it loses a bit of that sort of locality. So yeah. we try and really, and that's part of the reason why we've looked to take on brands from all over BC. You know, we know that the, you know, the brands we represent from Vancouver Island are going to have a strong presence on the island, same in Vancouver. And then we have to work a little bit harder in the Okanagan to get them introduced to people. So, you know, it's not just working with, you know, a handful of suppliers. We try to really kind of spread it around in terms of, you know, having brand appeal that is local and, and, uh, and, you know, relevant. Makes sense. Um, I warned you guys about this. We're going to take a pause and we're going to, we're going to learn a little bit about you guys. We're going to, we're going to pause the business side for just a couple of minutes. <laughs> I do have a few more questions and we'll wrap up with, but um, just want to get you to know you guys a little bit more. Um, and maybe because there's two, we'll just alternate. We'll start maybe with Omar and we'll kind of go back and forth. So sure. Omar, what's the best way for you to start your day? What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? First thing I do is try and get the kids ready for school so that I can get on with my day. Um, <laughs> I have to be truthful. Because <laughs> then I get, you know, I'm working from home. So this is my office. I got to get my, I got to find my space, really. Is what I need. Um, if, if, uh, what would be the, if you won the lottery, Chase, what would be the first thing you would do if you won, say you won? Today you heard that you're a multi-millionaire. What would you do? Oh, I think I would probably look to start my own uh, either winery or brewery or distillery. I think, you know, I've just gotten to know some of these people over the years. And, you know, when you see the passion kind of exuding from them, uh, you know, it's, it's hard not to get sort of caught up in that. And I think I'd really want to put my stamp on something and, and create something like that. So I think that's well, something I consider. I ask this question quite often in, in the calls I do are with entrepreneurs. No one's ever said that we retired yet. <laughs> do something and, start a, and I love that. I'm like, it just says the mindset that you guys are. And it's like, it's not like, hey, I'm going to go sit in an island and retire. It's like, yeah. I'll something else. <laughs> <laughs> there's still too much, there's still too much to get done, I think, is the way we look at it. <laughs> um, Omar, as you're going through your career and now, is there someone that you really admire? Is there someone you looked up to is either in your work now or even from afar? Is there someone that you, that you, you kind of draw inspiration from? You know, I, uh, that's a, that's a really good question. I, um, I've had, I've had the privilege of actually working, you know, in, in different, different roles in, right. in the industry. Um, but I actually go back to even when I was in, in, uh, in university, I actually had a great boss in a, in a, in a men's, in a clothing store back in Winnipeg and, uh, learned a ton from him and it kind of, he was an entrepreneur ran a chain of great clothing stores uh, back home and, and just kind of gave me my first taste of what it would be like to actually possibly work for myself one day. It took me forever to get there, yeah. but, but it always stuck in the back of my mind. You know, he was, uh, he was really good about, you know, empowering us, even though we were just, you know, his staff, you know, he could have treated us just, but we were, we were truly a team. We did a lot in a very short time. And, you know, that was something that really kind of set me on, on my path to, you know, get into, get my career kickstarted and, you know, leave home and, and get going. That's awesome. Um, Jason, um, if you were out on a Thursday night, Friday night, and it was karaoke night and you had to pick a song <laughs> of choice that you had to sing, what would you sing? 
<laughs> oh man wow uh wow curveball there <laughs> i would say oh, man. i would say probably anything by the rolling stones mm. probably give me shelter or something like of that nature yeah could you do one right now just no nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, omar if you were forced to eat one meal for the rest of your life what would it be i bet you could answer that for him jeez what is it, Jason? Let's see if Jason gets it. I was going to say, we talked, we had a good conversation yesterday about pizza. Yeah. You're pizza. Comparing, uh, yeah, pizza you consumption. Know, when, you, when you have kids, right, you're, you're kind of yeah. eating what they eat half the time, but pizza's always been there for me. So, and there's so much variation. So, you know what? If I had to, yes, pizza would probably be at the top of the list. Thanks for taking that one, Jason. <laughs> Jason, if you had a day off, what's the best way to spend it for you? What are you doing? Um, I'd say, well, definitely if I can get up skiing at Big White, that's, that's definitely, uh, you know, our sort of sanctuary these days. So I'd say skiing with Big White after taking our dogs for a nice long walk or a nice long hike. Awesome. Um, Omar, what's the, when we could travel, what's the best place you ever visited that you'd love to go back to? Uh, Paris. Love Paris. Went there, you know, sort of later in my my teens and then again when I was in my 20s and it's just I, I mean I haven't traveled the world extensively but of the cities I've been to that is uh, a city I could always go back to and you know we can't wait to get back there once this all ends. <laughs> um, Jason if you could grab a coffee with a famous person dead or alive who would it be? Oh man um, you know it's gonna sound like a total homer question I'd say Robert Mondavi. Hmm. Just, you know, I've, I've, you know, really followed his career, the trajectory of his career, you know, the, the decisions he made, the, you know, the brave new world that he sort of, you know, walked into and created and, uh, you know, just a ton of admiration for taking risks and, and uh, you know, building a, basically an empire that, you know, definitely somebody I admired in this industry. It's always kind of, kind of comes back to this industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this one's for both of you guys, the last question. What's your guys' beverage of choice? <laughs> well my personal email has always been wine guy so uh wine has always been my number one go-to yeah caught the bug early and it's kind of stayed with me so red white what's your what's what's your it's definitely a good big glass of red yeah, yeah for sure nice regal glassware <laughs> you know i'm i'm i've got a pretty open palate i like to say it's usually the one in my hand sitting around with good friends good family <laughs> <laughs> so that's a bit of a cop-out i understand but you know whether it's you know running around after playing you know men's league soccer or doing some sports or you know end of the week or whatever wednesday or i don't know it's usually just that that's it for me but to be more specific i love ipas and i love red wine <laughs> awesome i love ipas too so thank you guys thanks for answering those questions that, that was fun um a couple more before i sort of wrap up i'm curious about Obviously, without getting into spe specifics, how the business model works for you guys, like when you're working with brands, is it is it a retainer model or do you guys compensate it by performance on volume and sales or what does that look like? Yeah, definitely performance. You know, the numbers don't lie. You know, it's, uh, you know, our, 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 I guess, remuneration comes from, from sales, you know, whether or not it's cases or flats of, you know, or whatever it may be so yeah we we look at it from a you know 12 month pr perspective we roll things up into quarters and we sort of attack the the market that way um but yeah definitely on a not a retainer so okay um you guys mentioned sort of your your sort of specialty for lack of a word bc alberta 
but what's the future for you guys? Have you guys talked about like, are you, you know, are you looking to expand other markets, um, other verticals, you know, into the U S market back East, whatever it may be. What's, has there been discussion? What's that might, what did that, that might look like in the next sort of like two to three years for you guys? Yeah, for sure. New markets are definitely actually a live topic for us right now. You know, we're seeing some of our brands actually uh, want to go East. Um, you know, the U S is definitely not on our radar right now, but I think there's so much to tackle in our, in our home market of BC. And as we kind of, you know, head East and that's actually really, really cool, you know, that they have the, the willingness and the capacity to, you know, get as far as uh, Ontario right now. So we're, we're definitely focused on that. And is that change for you guys? Like the, the regulations, the rules that you have to play with in each of the provinces different from you guys? Like, yeah. Hmm. Like every drastic. province is different. Every, yeah. Every. Is it drastic? Is it that big of a difference for you that you would have to kind of like, I guess, is there a learning <laughs> for you when you're going into a province like Ontario, I guess, or not? It's, you know, Rob, it's funny. We've, we've, you know, we actually feel like we work in one of the more, I guess, how would I put it, diplomatically challenging markets now. And as you head east, we find that a lot of the other provinces, it's actually a little bit more straightforward, a little bit more okay. black and white, believe it or not. So it's like, I think if you say, if you can master what goes on in BC and, and do business in BC, you're, you're pretty much good everywhere else. So, <laughs> so um, last question I have is that if anyone's listening, I always like ask this, if anyone's listening and just like is intrigued and wants to learn more about what you guys do, how you can potentially help their brand or their, they might be a producer or they might know someone, what's the best way for them to get hold of you? What's the next step? So, and the next part of that is what does that look like? What's that first, uh, the dating phase look like with brands? Like how, do you <laughs> board brands? how do you know that it's a fit? Like, so both sides, maybe one can tackle one and one can tackle the other. Sure. I think, you know, everything starts with a conversation for us. So it's, you know, physically reaching out to us isn't, isn't, uh, isn't too hard. You know, we're, as I say, we're, you know, in the world we're in, we're all connected. The industry is very small. That's the one thing about the, the Bev Alk industry is it's very, very, very small. So it's like everybody after all this time seems to, it's about two degrees of separation, which I always laugh at. Um, but yeah, everything for Jay and I starts with a conversation, you know, what do you, so we can learn a little bit about their business and, uh, yeah. And then we, we kind of go from there is that once you get past all the, you know, the boxes that, you know, everybody likes to tick, then it's all the devil's in the details, you know, how you build everything from the complexity of getting product into a warehouse to out of the warehouse to onto the shelf. That's where you really get into the, the rubber hits the road. And that, that comes, that comes with, with our knowledge and, and their knowledge. Interesting. How about the onboarding part, Jay? Just curious on sort of that, you know, you find a brand that you want to work with. What, what's the next step? Like, what do you need to know in order to actually start other than trying their product? Yeah, no, for sure. That's a great question, Rob. Um, you know, it's, it's a matter of going back to what we talked about earlier. You know, is there a desire to grow? Um, is there a reason they're coming to us? Is it, you know, they bounced around from a lot of different agencies? You know, is the willingness to grow? Are they investing in their own business? We've got some small producers which have invested, you know, great deal of money in their own business to grow and they've hired consultants and those are the people we want to work with you know we don't want to stay static and we don't want the people that we work with to stay static we have a direction that we want to go so if you have a desire to grow and you, you've got passion for it those are two big boxes that you've ticked for us in terms of the onboarding once Omar and I kind of work through all the details you know then we basically roll it out to the sales team whether or not that's you know these days through a zoom call you know in other times we'd get the the sales team to the respective winery or brewery obviously we can't really do that right now so we're doing a lot of training. We actually have, I think, three training sessions this week just with Zoom calls 
with new suppliers that have come on recently. So, you know what? I mean, we'll eventually get the, the sales team to respective properties, but for now, you know, talking to an owner or a winemaker and, and sort of hearing their story and their passion, you know, gets our team excited and we just, you know, off to the races after that. So you know, there's a lot of stuff that I work on behind the scenes. And then once we finally roll it out to the sales team, it's pretty much go time. That's awesome. Well, you guys, Jason Omar, thank you so much for me today. I know I've taken a little bit more of your time than I promised, so I apologize for that. That's but great. it was a really good discussion. And you guys, you can see that you guys have lots of passion for what you guys do. And it, it sounds like it could be a fun industry. I'm sure there's challenges like every other business, but um, yeah. it sounds like you guys are having fun doing it. And there's lots yeah. of growth in the horizon, which is awesome. So, uh, you know, congrats on the success to date. And, and hopefully one day we can do this over a glass of wine and a slice of pizza. And, I'd love to. <laughs> and an IPA. Can't wait. <laughs> After the kids were out of the house. So. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. you guys, thank you guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed the talk. Thanks, Rob. We appreciate it. Um, everyone have a great day and uh, thank you for tuning into Business Matters. Take care. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Matters with host Rob Capello. If you're interested in being on the show, reach out to us and join the conversation.